Hi everyone, I'm Sarah Baker and this is Mama Stories. I created Mama Stories after seeing how impactful sharing stories can be in overcoming the challenges of motherhood. I am where I am today because of the stories of so many amazing strong mamas and I want to share that with every mom I can. So follow along to laugh, cry, and be empowered. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. Have you heard about how we are changing the story for moms? Mama Fund is a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to providing products, services, and education to moms in need. So check us out at mamafund.org. All right, welcome to the show today, Emily. Emily, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for having me. Um, so for those who don't know Emily, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Emily Given. I live in Linwood, Washington with my husband, Billy, and our sons, Hank and EJ. I'm the founder of a virtual assistant and event planning agency called She's a Given. I just left Amazon corporate headquarters to focus full-time on my business. Awesome. That's really cool that you took such a leap. I can't wait to hear more about that. Yeah, it's been a crazy ride, but super exciting. Good. Awesome. All right. So you said you have two boys, Hank and EJ. Yes. Right? I love the name Hank. (laughs) Thanks. I like EJ too, but Hank, how'd you come up with that name? I actually didn't pick it. Uh, Hank is my stepson. He is 10 years old. Um, and my husband is actually William Henry Given the third, and Hank is William Henry Given the fourth. So we got Hank from Henry. Got it. Okay. Well, not we. I mean, <laughs> they did. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you were stepmom and then a mom. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. Let's talk about that journey. Yeah. It's. I totally didn't expect to even go there on this uh, talk, but it has been a huge part of my motherhood journey. So I met Billy when Hank was four. And so we dated kind of on and off for like three years before we got really serious. Um, And I'm very fortunate to have a really good relationship with Hank's mom. Mm -hmm. Um, Her name is Sarah. She lives in Kirkland. And they do uh, 50-50 custody. It's really awesome. Sarah and I sit next to each other at Hank's hockey games, at his soccer games, that he's a big sports kid. So yeah, we like text about his schedule all the time and we're both really focused on, you know, making it the best possible situation for Hank. So I'm very lucky to have her in my life. Yeah. That, that makes it easier for you, but also it makes it easier for Hank. Right. Because my parents are very amicable, even though they have been divorced for a long time. And it makes um, holidays so much easier, birthdays so much easier. And now that I'm a mom myself, Mm -hmm. like that whole journey has been, I know it could be worse. And so I just, I'm so thankful that they get along. Right. And Hank has always said, I'm so lucky because I have two families who love me. Mm. And he's just the sweetest kid. Oh, that is so awesome. He's awesome. I love that. All right. How long were you Hank's stepmom before you had EJ? Oh, officially negative one years. Oh, okay. (laughs) So, oh, no. Yeah. Negative two years, actually. Okay. So we got married uh, July 22nd, 2018, and EJ was born August 24th, 2016. Okay. It's actually funny. We have a a hand-painted sign in our house that says, Given Family, Establish. 2016-ish. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. cute. <laughs> we just like to make light of it. I, I mean, love that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You did, could be like established dot, 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 dot. Well. <laughs> right. We did things a little non-traditionally, but we say we did things in like order of commitment length. 
like we had a baby that's 18 year commitment and then we bought a house which is a 30 year commitment and then we got married when we were for sure it was real so oh my gosh that's awesome yeah hey but you know what that is life like right oftentimes we have plans because I don't know someone paints them for us as we grow up right. and truthfully that's not how life works like you got pregnant and you had a beautiful son and then you decided to take other steps. So I think that's awesome. All right. So I know your story is mostly about your um, journey to get to having EJ in your life. So why don't you walk us through that? So, I mean, getting pregnant wasn't hard at all. It was a conscious decision Billy and I made. Um, I'm very fortunate for that just because I know lots of people struggle. Um, we decided to go off the pill and we were pregnant six weeks later. Wow. So it was really fast. And yeah. I think it caught us both by surprise, but it, it turned out great. I had a wonderfully normal pregnancy. Um, I have a history of a bleeding disorder. It's called ITP, um, idiopathic thrombocytopenia purpura, wow. which just means that I have low platelets. So okay. in the event that I bleed, um, it doesn't necessarily stop. Like my platelets aren't there to help form that blood clot. Like it's like thinner blood? Yeah. Okay. And so um, like if I get a scrape, it'll take longer to stop bleeding just because there's lack of platelets. Okay. So I had that as an adolescent. It kind of cleared up. It kind of came back in pregnancy a little bit. So not bad, just like minor. Everything was fine. I was seen by the maternal fetal medicine doctor. Um, Everything went really, really beautifully throughout my whole pregnancy. So Mm -hmm. I'm very lucky to have had a good experience. Yeah. Um, my labor and delivery, however, was not so textbook or normal by any means. Mm -hmm. So that was, um, I mean, I went into labor on, are we going into this? Yeah. Yeah. Please jump in. So I went into labor on, sorry. No, that was me, not you. (laughs) Go ahead. You went into labor. I went into labor on the 23rd. I mean, I had had a couple of episodes of false contractions where we went into triage and they're like, yeah, you're not dilating. So mm-hmm. you go home, wait till they're like five minutes apart. I give us a call. Um, and so I went into labor in the morning. How graphic are we going to get? Oh, let it all out. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> as graphic as you want to get a question though, when were you due? So my due date was August 31st. Okay. So you went in the 20- 23rd. 23rd. Okay. So it was about a week early, which I was excited about because it was the middle of summer and mm. I was like a gigantic whale and just like miserable. My feet were so swollen. Ugh. Like I couldn't, they, you couldn't see that I have, have five, five toes. It was like one giant blob. It was Oh my gosh. Awful. Ugh. I called them Shrek feet. <laughs> it was gross. Um, so went into labor on August 23rd in the morning and I was just like, whatever, this isn't real labor. And so I was like timing it before I woke my husband up. It was probably like six, six thirty in the morning. So I was like timing them. I'm like, okay, they're, they're coming frequently. So I went up to go to the bathroom and then I noticed I was bleeding and I was like, mm. okay, well maybe this is okay. So I went back sitting there and my husband wakes up. Um, not my husband at the time, my, not even my fiance at the time, actually, my boyfriend, um, Billy. He was just like, we should go, we should call. And I'm like, no, they're just going to send us home. We're not going. And mm-hmm. then the next contraction, I just like started crying. So he's like, we're going to go. Why don't you get in the shower, get your bag. We'll get Hank up and we'll go. So um, we got in the car. We drove him to 
Eddie and Tracy's and uh, EJ is actually Edward Jack named after Eddie. So mm. his one of his best friends from college, actually Eddie and Jack, we'll go into it later, but they're, uh, EJ's named after Eddie and Jack, which is Billy's best friends from college. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. So we dropped him off with Uncle Eddie, drove to the hospital, and um, I was actually just like, I'm not going home again, so here I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm staying. <laughs> so I was only like a three, um, and I didn't really change, or it was like a two, and then an hour later after walking, I was a three, but I was like, you're not, And they did they admit you? They weren't going to, but I guess my platelets were low too, and I was bleeding, and... I refused to go home. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, sorry, I'm not, I'm not leaving. Yeah. <laughs> so they did admit me. Um, and I had this whole plan to like wait. I wanted to like labor in the water a little bit. I didn't want to like water birth, but I wanted to like labor in the tub and I wanted to wait to get an epidural. Cause I knew that if I get, if I had an epidural, I couldn't eat. <laughs> oh, right. And I was like, I'm really hungry. I want to eat. Yeah. But the next <laughs> contraction, I like, I was trying to walk the hall and I like my knees buckled. Oh, like childbirth is not fun. No, it's not <laughs> easy. Um, and so she's like, the nurse was like, if you're my daughter, I would tell you to get it. Yeah. Fine. Okay. There is something about like when you get the epidural, like for me, I was really overwhelmed and I, I went into it not wanting to get one, but then mm-hmm. right when the contraction started, I was like, this is not happening. I'm getting one. Screw this plan. No one Let's can prepare go. you for what it's like. No, it's, it's like. And then people are like, oh, it feels like a period cramp or it kind uh, of feels no. like this. And I'm like, uh, I'm pretty sure if my period cramps felt like that, I would not be able to function in society. Right. Like, that's like, not what it feels it's like. It's like a vice, like gripping your uterus and yeah. trying to rip it out of your body. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> no, I actually wanted to, after I had Grayson, I wanted to make like plaques mm-hmm. or trophies for moms who did do it without epidurals. I have friends who did it natural and I think it's just the most incredible thing yeah. in the entire world. Yes. I'm like, what? How? If I meet a mom who's had a natural childbirth, you just I, give them a trophy? I want to. <laughs> I literally should. look at them differently. I'm like, you are a badass. Yes. Like, that's it. You should right. get a tattoo that says, yep, I'm a badass. Right. Walk through life like that. I think it's awesome, but I also, you know, I'll get there, but I had a C-section. I think that... um Sometimes C-section moms aren't as appreciated or like mm. as yes thought to be badasses. So that's sure. something that I'm super passionate about too. Like For sure. you're a badass too. You had a C-section. Well, let's start with the fact that we grow humans inside right. of our wombs. Like, we're come all, on. We're all superheroes. We're all pretty rad. Right. Like, you're welcome for life. My right. father-in-law actually just had a... Um, a procedure on his foot and they he was saying like oh they use the skin of a placenta oh to do some skin grafting and I was like well you're welcome right that's literally what I, I made said because I was like that's I mean it's not technically mine because right. I encapsulated mine but um you're welcome that women make those for you right like, good job <laughs> <laughs> like here you go so for sure I think all women are badass for doing it right but I think we can all agree going through that naturally, mm-hmm. if your body allows you to do that. Mm-hmm. Like when I got my epidural, I was like, rad, cool. Me too. I could take a I nap. Like, I can't feel my butt. This is amazing. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> they tried to have me take a nap. It didn't work. My labor happened really fast. But uh, if you could do it without an epidural, high five. If right. you get one. High five to you still. Enjoy like, some ice chips and relax. Take a nap. Right. I mean, because sometimes labor is like days mm-hmm. days so right. I don't even know how people do that I don't know either okay sorry so you were in there you got your epidural 
Right. And that I honestly don't remember a lot about the next couple of hours of my labor because it was like the least hectic part of it all. So it was like hanging out, not dialing very much. Um, were they checking you often? Were you yeah, they checked me a few or? option, uh, a few options. I don't know. What I said. <laughs> <laughs> they checked me a few times. Um, I remember Billy like feeding me ice chips, mm-hmm. and like, and he was like eating a sandwich or something. And the nurse walked out and like, "Give me your sandwich." She's like, "No, I can't." I'm like, "Give me the sandwich right now." And he, <laughs> he's like, "No." <laughs> so, <laughs> the advice to the dads is eat the meals like you're going to the bathroom, right? right. And then be like, "I'll be right back." Right. Right. <laughs> he's not been good at that I actually failed my uh one hour glucose test so I had to do three hour so I was like oh. waiting there in the waiting room for three hours and he was eating this king size pack of Reese's peanut butter cups and oh I'm my like, gosh those are my favorite I literally hate you right now <laughs> it was so mean it was so mean anyway so I was in labor and then all of a sudden I like spiked this like 104 fever and so were you feeling like you weren't feeling well? or did I mean, it just I, did, I didn't know. I thought it was just labor. I thought yeah. you were just going to feel terrible in labor. Yeah. And so I was just like really tired, and super hot. And all I wanted was like water and ice chips. And they're like, yeah, your fever's really high. And so we're going to put you on antibiotics because you likely have an infection. I'm like, okay, well, which is weird. We'll go into it later. But I did get diagnosed with chorioamnitis which is like infection inside of the uterus, which usually happens when your water breaks and you don't get to the hospital and get put on antibiotics in time. So that's why they say if your water breaks, you need to have the baby within 24 hours. Right. Mm -hmm. Or get to the hospital soon so they can put you on whatever. But my water didn't break. It hadn't broke and you did have that. Right. Wow. So that in itself is like a huge, weird thing. My doctor's like, yeah, it doesn't really happen. So were they concerned at that point? Like, did they check to so see no. if your water was broke? They or? did, and it hadn't. Okay. So, um, but they just gave me antibiotics anyway. Yeah. And so then I just kept laboring. Uh, EJ had some fetal distress at some time, so I had to do a lot of, like, position changes. Oh, yeah. And so that was that was a little scary, but, I mean, it, it went back to normal really quickly. Yeah. And it's so, also hard when you're on an epidural <laughs> when that happens, right? Because right? you're, like... Yeah, they're like, flipping you. Right. You don't really have a lot of control over your legs. Yeah. yeah. So um, over the course of the next couple of hours, I just still wasn't feeling good. I was still really hot. Um, EJ wasn't doing great. He was doing okay. but And then my, my pulse skyrocketed to like almost 200. Oh, my God. And so they're like, get the doctor in here now. Like she's not doing good. And so they did like an EKG there in the room to make sure like they were talking about surgery already oh my gosh and they're like you know frankly after the fact she's like yeah we needed to make sure you were gonna survive surgery like we needed to give you something to like slow your heart rate down wow so they did um and I don't know it was so fast they're like okay we're going for a c-section right now because EJ wasn't doing good they like I don't know exactly the details but his heart rate was like not good yeah So all I remember is like, I'm shaking so bad because my pulse is like through the roof. Um, They're like wheeling my bed down the hall, telling Billy to get dressed. I'm signing um, 
the mm. consent form and then all of a sudden like we're in the OR and like people are yelling. Oh my gosh. And um, I was like conscious throughout this whole process, which is good and bad, I guess. Bad for the reason I'll get to later. But um, in short, Billy didn't get to go in with me. How come? Because it was so urgent that they didn't, well, I think that they thought the baby was dead. So they, mm. they didn't want the, him in there. And they didn't know what was going to happen with me too. So the doctor was like, do you feel this? And it was like the scalpel. And I was like, kind of like pressure. And she's like, okay, if you don't feel a sharp, we're going. So she like cut me open. Like I'm conscious. She's cutting me open. Billy's not there. I'm like freaking out. Oh man. The nurse, there's another nurse that came over and she like held my head. She's like, you're going to be okay. And like, she's, mm. it was crazy. Oh, I just got goosebumps. Uh, that's not even the worst <laughs> part of it. Ugh. So I'm in my, uh, in the C-section, like feel them like tugging and pulling and, you know, feeling all this pressure. And I felt them take him out of me and I was like waiting to hear him cry. And I'm hearing nothing. Mm. There's like, people are still yelling. I'm like, is my baby okay? And no one's talking to me. Like, I'm like, is my baby okay? I'm like yelling, like, is he okay? Is he alive? Mm. And somebody said, we're working on it. Oh, so I'm freaking out, but trying to stay calm because like my body is cut open on this. Yeah. Like, yeah. dude, uh, surgery table. So I'm like trying not to freak out. And then I feel myself like slipping. So the nurses are like, yeah, everyone's yelling. Like the doctor's like, I need blood right now. Like she's, she's bleeding like you know, I'm bleeding so much. Her blood pressure is like 40 over zero. Like we're losing her. Like I'm feeling myself literally dying. Like, Oh my God. All I could think of in my head was like, my baby's dead. I am dying. I'm so sorry, Billy. Like I, mm. I thought that I was going to leave him. We were both going to be gone. Like, um, and I think I lost consciousness then because the next thing I remember is I'm still in the OR and Billy's there. And he's like, um, yeah, I'm like, is he alive? Is the baby alive? And he's like, yeah, he's alive. They had to intubate him. Um, he didn't breathe for like six minutes. They had to do like emergency resuscitation and stuff and is intubate him. He needs to go to Seattle Children's. So I'm in Everett. He needs to go to Seattle Children's to do this cooling protocol because... I mean, they're trying to explain all this technical medical stuff and to me. Like and you're like, just coming too. So. Right. So oh they're man. like, he has to be this full body cooling. It's going to slow down the if um, the process that happens when your brain doesn't have oxygen. Like yeah. all of your other body parts lose oxygen. That can be really damaging or even like fatal. Yeah. So are they having to get your consent or why are they yeah, telling you? But okay. Billy, Billy's just like checking in with me and he's okay. like, what, well, what do you want me to do? Like what? Oh yeah, and I poor said, guy. I need you to make a decision right now. Yeah. I'm like, you need to go with EJ. My mom will come with me. Cause they're like, you need to go to your, we're putting you in an ambulance to the ICU. Cause in Everett you deliver down the street from the actual hospital. It's right. Not, like, it's like 10 blocks or something. Yeah. So I went in an ambulance to the ICU. EJ went in another ambulance to Seattle. Hmm. So we got to the ICU um, and I was like kind of 
like stabilizing more. I was awake and I was like, can I just have something to drink, please? I'm so thirsty. And the nurse was like, how are you talking to me? Like, this is crazy. You just lost half of your blood. Like, so is that what happened? You lost too much blood in delivery? Yeah. So they told me that what happened was when I delivered my, so after you deliver a baby, your uterus, whether it's C-section or vaginally, Mm-hmm. your uterus is supposed to contract down to normal right like that's just it's natural but my uterus was so infected mm-hmm. that it just like flopped mm. and so that had no muscle tone and it just kept bleeding and bleeding and bleeding so um they said that when they cut it open it was like full of pus mm. and so that's like the scariest part of it it's like i don't know how that happened yeah like I had or if it had been happening your whole pregnancy and you <laughs> didn't know right yeah so wow I was, it's unnerving that part still to say the least. I'm like, I don't even, what, how? So that's yeah. a question that I'll never be able to answer. And I, I've, I've done a lot of uh, self work on it, like trying to let it go. Yeah. So I'm in the ICU, kind of stabilizing, stayed there for probably, I don't remember how many hours I was really in and out of it. Um, but then they moved me down to a normal room, like a step down mm-hmm. to recover from my surgery. And so that was exciting. We thought I was like turning a corner, going to be fine. I would be there a couple of days, like maybe two days. And mm-hmm. then I would get released three, three days. Um, but then I woke up, I was like sleeping. And I woke up and all of a sudden, like I couldn't breathe. I'm like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And the alarms were going off and like I had billions of doctors and nurses in my room and um, my lungs had failed. Oh my gosh. Because of the, well, I had, I had sepsis. So my uterus was so infected that I got sepsis, which is like an infection in your blood, which then carried it, you know, and then I went into septic shock from, and also like, I think, um, shock from loss of blood. So my body was just messed up. So and is Billy with EJ at this point? Uh So he has like no clue any of this is happening. So my mom's there with me. Your poor mom. I know. Mm. Oh, my mom's amazing. Yes. We'll talk about her later. But um, so my lungs are failing. So they're like talking about putting me on a ventilator. Um, they're like, we're, we're going to lose her. And so um, they called Billy and said, you need to come say goodbye. Like she's going to die. Um, wow. Yeah. So... It was like they were pretty definite that I wasn't going to make it. So uh, they ended up doing, like when the doctors came in, they ended up doing like a femoral catheter that went straight to my heart. So they did dialysis, like they cleaned my blood right then. Mm-hmm. Um, and it saved me. Oh, my gosh. I still have like this fat scar from my femoral catheter. But wow. Yeah. Um, it saved your life. Mm hmm twice the second time you know I was saved in my c-section and saved here so I think Ann Camper who's the c-section doctor and uh, Anita Sen who's my ICU physician for saving my life every day I am so thankful for them wow so was Billy there when you were like now healed or how long did that healing process happen so after that happened I was back in the ICU obviously um and then they told there's another part. They told me, 
not only did your lungs fail, your kidneys and your liver failed too. So um, that's where the dialysis was helpful for the kidneys part. I forgot to say that. But Was there any point when you were like, just put me under? Like, I don't know if I want to know any of this. I just want you guys to like fix me. Or were you conscious this whole time? Thinking, I was like, conscious the whole time. Um, the next, like, so my mom was there with me every single night except for one night. She's like, I have to go home and sleep in my bed. Like, yeah. I, it's been, so I was actually there for a total of eight days. Wow. But like on day four, day five, I can't remember. Um, when I had stabilized, I, I had shown improvement every day. And so she went home just for the night and I like lost my mind. So the mm. first time I met EJ was actually the same day he was born. Sorry, I say met very loosely because it was via FaceTime. Mm. So um, we FaceTimed and we tried to FaceTime every day when I was feeling okay and he was feeling okay. Um, so that was crazy. Like my sister Donna went to the hospital, took pictures of him and like blew them up on giant posters and put mm. them in my hospital room. My sister Amy had two kids at the time. Well, she still has two kids. So she had two kids. She's a teacher, so she was thankfully in summer break, but she literally, like, dropped her whole family and was with EJ the entire time. Oh, wow. So she was there with Billy, being Billy's support, like, helping with feedings and changings up in all hours of the night. Wow. When he was in the NICU. So Amy and Donna and my sister JD was there with me every day, like, holding my hand through these terrible procedures that they were doing, like, being there for me, visiting, like, just hanging out with me because I was so... Um, yeah, it was crazy. So when did you get to the point when you were like, okay, I'm going to survive this? Like, when was that moment of like, okay, I'm going to leave this hospital someday? So I, it was soon after like the whole kidney liver fail, lung failure. Like once I made it, I was like, okay, like we're going to be okay. After the dialysis, did you feel better? Like physically? Like, yes. Okay. A little stronger, but I was still so weak. Like, oh, sure. I just had a C-section on top of, like, losing half my blood and yeah, all my organs are filling and I don't have my baby. And that was the hardest part of it. Like, you can put me through as much physical pain as you want to, but, like, the fact that I didn't have my baby was, like, the most heart-wrenching thing I've ever been through in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I had grown this baby for the yeah. past 10 months. And then he was violently ripped from me, like not breathing, like in the hospital when he needs me the most, like he needs his mom Mm -hmm. and I needed him. Yeah. And so that, sorry, the night my mom went home, I lost my mind. I was like hysterical. Like I call my mom, I'm like, I need my baby. I need my baby. And she's Mm. like, can I talk to your nurse? She's like, can you give her some new sleep? And so- um, I made a conscious decision, like, I have to get better. I have to prove to the doctors that I'm going to get better so I can see my baby. Yeah. And so I'm getting updates from them. Like, he's doing great. He's been downgraded to a regular room. He can probably go home in a couple of days. And I'm like, okay, I need to I need to do my part now. I need to get better. So <clears throat> I think walking is the hardest part after you have a C-section. Like, it's mm. awful. I don't know, like, after a normal C-section, it's like that. But, like, mine was just, I think, a compilation of everything that was happening to me. It was really hard to walk and, like, get up 
but I was like walking. I was like organizing my little hospital bed tray. Like, I'm fine. They're like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm great. How are you? Like trying to make like <laughs> really good conversations. I'm like trying to make lists, but my brain wasn't working. Like I couldn't even write my name. Wow. It was weird. And Is then, that because of like the... I think so. Okay. And like I heard music all the time. I'm like, oh, the nurses are listening to oldies out there. And they're like, nope, there's no, there's no music. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. Did that just eventually go away or was there yeah. something happening? Um, They said it was called hospital-induced delirium. So like, literally I heard people singing. I heard like Nellie rapping in the bathroom. I was like... I'm crazy. I'm literally crazy. Mm. So Billy didn't tell me, but EJ got out of the NICU on August 31st, which was his due date. So he brought him to me in my hospital room. Oh. So I met EJ on his due date, which is like the most crazy and like amazing and heartbreaking. And Mm. it was like the I can't describe the feeling it was like incredible I was like crying so hard I couldn't even breathe and like he was just hugging like he like curled into me the second he like knew he's like this is my mom yeah I I miss her so much you know it was it was sweet oh there's a really good picture I feel like that is um that right there like that's motherhood Mm -hmm. like it's not what you expect and it's so overwhelming, but it's like really beautiful in that. And it's also really scary and it's really hard and right. Oh man. And you'll endure so much. Yes. To just yeah, mm-hmm. be with them. Yeah. So that was my birth story. Uh, it's really, it was intense mm-hmm. and crazy. And I mean, when we got home, I had to stay another night, which was crazy. My sister stayed with me. He had to take EJ home cause he had to take him to the pediatrician like first thing in the morning he's like you need to be seen within 12 hours of being discharged because he's not perfect either so got home and I was not okay mentally no like in any way shape or form like you were feeling depression or like crazy I was mm. feeling crazy like I would hear that so when I was in the ICU it was really close to the ER so there were like sirens all the time so I would lit. I literally heard sirens in my head, and like they would be like code blue, ER oh, code yeah. blue, like all the time. So like heard that in my head and sirens constantly, and I'd fall asleep and I'd wake up screaming because like I kept replaying the C-section in my head over and over and over, mm. and I'm like, I'm not okay. Yeah. And so I actually this is really hard to talk about, but like I didn't want anything to do with EJ. Because I'm like, I'm just going to die. And yeah. he's just going to die. And what's the point? Mm. It, it's, yeah, that was really hard. But um, I that, know. That's the, um, I, I'm really glad that you shared that. Thank you. I know that is hard to say because I know um, that's not how it's supposed to feel. Right. But moms, I remember leaving the hospital and I couldn't get out of there fast enough. Like for me, I just. I hated being there. Mm-hmm. So like hearing you were there for eight days and all of the things that came with it, I just like how you're sitting here today. I don't <laughs> even know. Cause I would have probably given up long before that. But, um, 
I remember they were like reading through postpartum depression and they were right. like, well, if you want to harm your baby or you want to harm your husband. And I thought that is so dumb. Like, I'm not going to want to do that. Right. But that's real. Like yeah. that's real life because I, there were days, maybe I didn't want to harm them directly, but I for sure was like, I'm done. I don't want to live anymore. Right. Like I'm okay. Right. And we don't talk about it because it sounds terrible, terrible. And it's not how it's supposed to sound, but it is real. Like it's that so truly real. happens and it's okay. Like it's okay for you to feel that way. I just think people like should talk about the actual brain changes, like yes. the chemistry mm-hmm. that's going on in your brain after you have a baby. People don't talk about it and it's, so I was not okay. Like I said, waking up screaming, like I couldn't, I couldn't function. I could, you know, I could barely walk even still, like let alone take care of this baby all the time. I wasn't breastfeeding because I made the decision not to because I was so unhealthy. One, he wouldn't get the nutrients he needed from me. And two, he would be depleting the nutrients that I was needing so badly at that time. Yeah. Through formula feeding, Billy is like the most amazing partner I could have ever asked for because Mm. he got up with him all the time. He's like, no, you rest no, you rest, like, you need to get better, you need to get better, so I told him, I'm like, I'm not okay, Yeah. like, I'm going crazy, and I'm not okay, and so uh, he's like, okay, let's figure this out, so I called, I was like, oh, it'll be easy, I'll just go in and get seen for postpartum depression, whatever, so I called the therapist, weren't taking new patients, Mm. called five more therapists who weren't taking new patients, I finally talked to my OB and she's like, as crazy as this sounds, you need to say, I am not okay. I'm thinking of harming myself. Yeah. I need to get in to be seen immediately. So I called like three more people. Finally got one. Wow. Yeah. That right there, the lack of accessibility is just crazy. Yeah. So I saw them. I checked out this like inpatient postpartum depression program, which... I toured and it was just like really sterile and people were there with their babies, which is fine. But it's like a six week program where you go from nine to five. And I didn't want to do that. So I also saw a psychiatrist who gave me medication, which honestly, what I think was what helped. Yeah. And talking to somebody. But the medication was huge for me. And I know that's also a huge stigma. Like you shouldn't have to be medicated. You just had a baby. You know, like you're a superhero. Come on. Right, right. (laughs) So um, anyway, that that was super helpful to me. And then actually my turning point, I think, was like it all happened at the same time. So I don't know. I can't really pinpoint it. But Mm -hmm. I also joined this community. It's called PEPS. In the greater Seattle area, it stands for Program for Early Parental Support. Mm-hmm. So it was like this group that you do, facilitated group for 12 weeks, where you meet and you have the same, you have babies of the same age in your yeah. same area. So you meet every week for 12 weeks, and that started in October. So we met and like talked about each, we shared our birth stories. We talked about postpartum depression. We talked about feeding. We talked about putting them to sleep. We talked about support from our partners. Like, and it was then in that community of women that I felt that I wasn't alone anymore. Yeah. And so I didn't have a lot of friends who had had babies. I'm, I was 20, just turned 26 when I had EJ. And so 
I'm, I was one of the only ones of my friends that had babies. And I just felt like meeting that community of women, Mm -hmm. I I wasn't alone anymore. And it was, I could talk about things freely. I didn't have to keep it inside because I could talk to Billy about it till I'm blue in the face. But his experience in that whole situation was vastly different than mine. Sure. And he's kind of the person that's like, it happened. Let's be thankful and move on. Right. I feel like that's a lot of men in my experience. My husband's the same way. Like he's like kind of like, okay, cool. Let's move forward. Mm -hmm. But there is something that physically happens. I mean, obviously your birth story is very unique Mm -hmm. in all the trauma, but in any birth story, whether you um, adopted a baby, whether you had a baby after IVF treatments, whether you had a baby naturally, vaginally, C-section, like there really is something in your body that happens like your hormones Mm -hmm. and then your body's trying to heal from any, you know, it could heal from the years of, of trials and tribulations to get to where you are, Mm -hmm. or it could heal from like the physical, you know, surgery that happened to your body. And so for us to think that our partners could truly understand that isn't, I feel like isn't fair. Like there was a time when I was kind of like, come on, like to my husband, like, you don't get it. You don't get it. And then parts of me was like, well, duh, he doesn't get get it. it. And let's not use that as like a negative to him. Like he doesn't get it, you know? And it's our jobs to find that community so that we can share those things because we have to talk about it. We have to talk about the times that we didn't feel right or normal and, and that we got past it because it helps you in that moment, but it also is going to help a mom who's in it right now get past it to know like, Oh, I do feel like that. Like I'm not connected to my baby Mm -hmm. and know that, that's okay. Right. You I'm just need the only to person. talk to somebody about yeah. it, you know? And that's what also deters women, right? It's like, we feel like something's wrong with us. And so it's us that's broken versus like, no, this is like totally normal. <laughs> You've got a lot of hormones. You're, you know, your body's healing from this. Right. You're exhausted. You're not sleeping at all. Your baby is literally sucking life out of you, um, whether you're breastfeeding or formula feeding. And you might need some medication to help you through that. Right. And that's cool. Like, and be community, healthy. Right. The community is, like, so important, even even for the not as serious things, like the three-month postpartum hair loss. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm losing all my hair. And they're like, me too. I'm like, okay. Oh, like, I feel better about, the, you yeah. know, it's just your tank and hormones. Like, yeah. it's okay. This is going to be fine. But no one tells you that either. Like, no. when you're pregnant, they're not like, you're going to lose all your hair three months. Right. Well, and maybe they do, but there's something about being in that moment. Right. And you're like, oh, shoot, I actually am losing all my hair. Right. Like, can someone help me? Like, for me, I got this, like, wicked flyaway that just, like, went like this. Mm-hmm. And, like, point, like, I was a unicorn. Just, like, <laughs> all the time was pointing straight. And I would, like, hair spray it down. And I had to, like, wear my hair slicked back. <laughs> because if I didn't, it would, like, point straight. And I was like, what is this? My hair, like, changed completely, too. It's yeah, like way wavier than it was. Yeah, pregnancy changes your body and like insane, like your feet grow, your feet can grow. You know what happened to me is I couldn't handle spice after Grayson was born. Huh. Like I love spicy food mm-hmm. and I had like paste salsa one day and I was like, oh, I'm on fire. Like someone help me. And my husband's like, are you okay? And it took me probably even now, like 
there's times I can't go as spicy as I could before. It's just weird. It is weird. It, it totally changes you. They totally mess with you. Yeah. <laughs> and then you breed them life. So right. They're welcome. <laughs> um, okay. So that had to have been a hard transition, but it's good that you had like your community and then obviously medication to help you through that. Right. When do you feel like was your moment where you were like, all right, I got this. Like I'm going to move past this trauma or are you still feeling like you live a little bit in that trauma? I don't, I just say I definitely don't live in the trauma anymore. I don't let it define me. Um, there was a point, I think 10, 10 months later, 10 months after he was born, I kind of stopped replaying the whole scenario in my head every night. I used to every night before I go to bed, replay it in my head, cry myself to sleep. It was bad. Mm. Even, even when I was on medication. So I think Honestly, what really helped me was right before he was born, like the 10 months, I sat down and I wrote my birth story for the first time. Mm. I hadn't talked about it. I mean, people knew, but yeah. I hadn't really talked about it. So I posted it where I wrote it the day before his birthday. I struggle. I struggled for the past couple of years in August because mm. August is just the anniversary. And I posted it for the first time. And the response that I got was just incredible. Like people yeah. were like, oh my gosh, this happened. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah. Um, I also had a traumatic birth and you're helping me. Um, so then I kind of, I kind of shifted mm-hmm. in my head. Like if I could tell my story and help other women know that they're not alone yeah, and that it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like maybe, maybe there's a purpose right. for this. Maybe, Maybe this was a trial that was placed in my life for a reason because I'm supposed to help other people. I'm supposed to share my message. Yeah. And so. That's a great way to look at it. Right. I mean. Because I would agree. I think a lot of women, I knew I went in and I was like, I don't want to have a C-section. Not because I had anything against them. I just was so nervous Mm -hmm. to be. My sister has had all Mm C-sections. And so she just kind of goes in like, whatever, I'm going to have a C-section. She's also kind of just has that front about her that Mm -hmm. she's really strong and tough and brave um and I just don't have that I'm like don't don't cut my hand because I will cry about it for a week okay (laughs) so that's not me so I was like please don't I'm just so nervous right but I do think if a mom was to hear this your story or read your story and then be in that same situation where she's on a table it's a good reminder of like okay just breathe Mm -hmm. like people get through it you know like right they know what they're doing. Just let's, you know, let the baby get out and be healthy versus being so anxious about like, can I survive this? Am I going to be okay? Like just knowing other moms have survived that and then worse as well. It's really hard when you're in the moment to know if you're going to be okay. But I actually, I think that I was pretty calm and like I trusted the yeah. medical professionals to do what they were going to do. Like yeah. they're the experts here. All you can do is sit back and let them take care of you. Are you feeling like you would ever have another baby? So um, the whole experience was so scary for us. And Billy is older than I am. And he wanted to have be done having kids before he was 40. Yeah. So um, he actually, we, we decided to not have any more kids. Mm-hmm. Just because he's like, I don't want to lose you. Like, I can't go through that. My doctors are like, we don't know if it's going to happen again. It's yeah. like a 50-50. And we're like, that's a really big 
even if it was like 20 percent or two percent that's right that would be a scary risk to take so my ob is actually my friend because i i worked for her oh gosh like eight years ago now but um so she's like my friend and my doctor and she was like uh, as your doctor, I would say like, you could have another baby, but as your friend, I'm saying like, please don't, I don't, I don't want to go. I don't want you to go through that again. So, yeah. Oh, that is so hard. Um, so obviously you went through this traumatic birth and were you working at Amazon at the time? I was. Yeah. So so how long did you take off before you went back to work? They have amazing benefits. Oh, good. So so I got to to take a month prepartum. Oh, awesome. Right. And then I think I got 16 weeks postpartum. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. 100% paid. So, guys, if you're looking for a new career, like it's a really good place to work for moms. Yeah. I got so lucky because when um, I had Grayson, I think it was actually when I was on maternity leave, I can't remember, but they extended, they um, changed the maternity leave to be... I might misquote it, but it might be 16 weeks, eight or 16 weeks. Well, no, no, 16 weeks. That's right. And so I got half of that because I, it wasn't actually going into effect until the next year. Do you January. work at Amazon? Sorry. No, I worked at Verizon. Oh, okay. I was but, like, what? No. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? You didn't tell me that. Um, no, but they extended it. So I got an additional eight weeks or four weeks. I can't remember. I'm going to misquote it. But it was really great because I had Grayson August 31st. That was oh, his that's birthday. So funny. Yes. And I didn't have to go back to work until January 4th. That, so I had the me whole too. time. Yep, me too. It was great. It's amazing. Um, and then they have great, like, they have mother's rooms where, pe- like, moms can pump. Mm, and they have. Well, the Verizon offices were not that updated. It's really, they're. Amazon's really good for yes, and they were my team was so supportive. That's awesome, and it's awesome because that's unfortunately not the story you hear often. Right. And I remember when I had Grayson, he was um, I can't maybe like a month or two old, and I was just walking around the Alderwood Mall because that was basically all I could do. <laughs> I just needed to get out because I was dealing with some serious depression, so I needed to get out of the house yep. and meet. I just talked to people randomly in stores. Yeah. People probably thought I was crazy. <laughs> but I went to motherhood maternity to get um, some pants, and the lady working there had her baby the same day as Grayson, and motherhood maternity didn't offer her um, maternity leave. And I was like, that is um, so ironic. Right. Like, okay weird um and her baby had some like um she wasn't disabled but she did have some issues feeding with like latching and she was having an issue because of the way her mouth was structured and just all this stuff and she's telling me the story and all I want to do obviously is cry just because here I am just like wandering around with Grayson like because I don't have anything to do and this poor mom's just working right because it's her only option my sister Amy is a teacher um and she had to use all of her vacation time when she had babies. And then she took had to take it unpaid and then had to write a check to her employer to keep her benefits going because, yeah, it was awful. I just felt wow. so bad for her. So when I wow. told her about mine, she's like, I hate you. But I'm glad that you had that, but I hate yeah. you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's just not, fair. not even fair. No, I think. Think about that. I mean, Grayson's. The day I had my six-week checkup, like my um, 
check your V to make sure everything looks good, which I did have some things I had to like continue to heal. So I wasn't even fully healed. The day I had that, not only was I in the hospital, like with my OB, like crying, because I was telling her like how sad I still was and all the work I still needed to do to feel healthier and happier. But also it was the day I would have technically had to gone, gone back to work the day before that. So my appointment was on like the 13th and my return to work date was the 12th. If I didn't have all my paternity leave and then all my vacation and everything yeah. else I was taking on top of that. And I remember being like, how do people go back? This is so broken. Right. Yes. It's so broken. How do they go back to work? Six weeks after your baby's They born. need trophies. Right. I'm actually going to go give them trophies. You should make lots of trophies. Or just like put it. big signs up in front of the company being like, don't support them. No, <laughs> we won't go down <laughs> that whole path. But I mean, really, truthfully, come on. Like you can't give them more I think, time off. I think luckily it's becoming more progressive. It is. Like you're right. There are a lot of good strides that companies are taking. However, I just feel like there are companies who are just doing it so well mm-hmm. that you kind of wonder like, well, why isn't anybody else doing it that way? Like right. if they're not, my uh, brother-in-law works for Slack and he gets 12 weeks of paternity leave. Well, I also think like the bigger companies have more money to put into benefits like that. That is true. Yeah. I just I think, think that should be not even money, you right. know? No. It shouldn't I, even cost money. Like, it should just be something that happens. Right. But I, think, I guess. I think they'll get there. And I think yeah. the companies are being pressured to get there from the progressiveness yeah. of everybody else. So. Yeah. And they should. All right. So you went back to work. And then how long did you work? You just quit three weeks ago. Yeah. So, so I went back to work in January of 2017. Um, I love my job. I loved my job at yeah. Amazon. So I was an executive assistant. So I supported directors and VPs, um, and calendar management and travel arrangement and team event planning and um, employee morale and things like that. And I was kind of like the go-to for the team. So mm-hmm. if anybody needed anything, they're like, Hey, Emily, can you help me with X, Y, Z? So I loved my job. I loved supporting people and making them feel like their lives were a little bit easier. Yeah. So I did that for, I mean, just up until three weeks ago, but I think summer 2018, I decided I need, I want to do something different. Like I I love my job. I love supporting people. I love making their lives easier. But one, the commute was sucking my soul. Yeah. It was like an hour each way. Because you live up in Everett, right? I live in Linwood. Linwood. Okay. And I was driving to South Lake Union. Mm. Which work. is the worst road to drive on. It's awful. Like I-5 at mm-hmm. commuting time is like a luckily, parking lot. Yeah. Luckily I had a carpool buddy, which cut it down oh, to like 45 nice. minutes. Yeah. But. That's nice. Still hard. It sucks. Um, so I was like, I want to do something where I can work from home or remotely or work from wherever. Mm-hmm. Still help people and help people really have a, not a work-life balance because I don't believe that that's necessarily a thing well I, I just I'm pro, I'm not programmed that way I'm not programmed to separate my work and my life and drop one and pick up the other so to me it's like a work-life harmony like we can work mm. and they can work together yeah. and so to me I wanted to help other moms business owners not only support them in the way I was supporting the executives at Amazon but also help them have more time to be with their families and like to teach them how to delegate tasks that they, you know, you can delegate somebody 
managing your email or responding to your customers or um, scheduling your meetings or booking your flights or whatever you need. Yeah. You can delegate that so you have more time to actually, one, maybe do more uh, revenue generating activities right? or doing more billable client hours and then being able to turn your brain off at the end of the day and like go be with your family. Yeah. And so that, that, that's, I was like, I need to create this perfect role for myself. And so I first started uh, being a virtual assistant on the side as a, at a company called Belay. So I just did it remotely for like 10 hours a week in, in addition with my Amazon job. Um, and then I actually started my business still working in Amazon, found a couple of clients um, who have stuck with me like the whole time mm. and they're amazing. Like I have a DJ in LA who I support. He's awesome. Um, a digital marketing agency in New York and then a women's leadership and development coach. And um, she's like a coach and a speaker and an author in LA as well. And they've been really instrumental in just making my business what it is now. And so I finally made the decision in May of this mm -hmm. year. I kind of talked to my husband. I'm like, listen, I'm successful part-time. Like, I could be really successful if I did this full-time. Yeah. And so he's like, you know, let's, if it's really going to make you happy, your happiness is worth more money than you could ever bring in at Amazon. Like, Billy sounds like a good guy. He is a great guy. I like Billy I, already. I like him too. <laughs> But he's like, your happiness is worth more money than you could ever make at Amazon. It, yeah. it's, it doesn't matter how much money we make if you're miserable. Right. And the thing is, I wasn't even miserable. It's like, I just wanted to be more fulfilled. Well, that's the thing. Like the company doesn't have to make you miserable. Like that was literally like what you're saying is like literally the same conversation my husband and I had. Like I loved what I did. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was traveling all the time. I was on planes. I had status, like all these things that in that time for me were a really big deal and were something I really hung my hat on as my success, right? right? Like people relied on me. I was getting like quasi promotions and getting acting gigs. And so like all this stuff was happening. Were you on a commercial? No, I'm sorry. When I say acting gigs, like acting roles oh, in okay. the company. Okay. No, no, so I was what? not on a commercial. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I could be though, right? You Just definitely could Try be. this toothpaste. No. <laughs> Hopefully someone's listening and they'll be like, we'll hire her. No. <laughs> um, but no, I like loved what I did, but it, but what it didn't do was it didn't give me all that time that I wanted with Grayson, right. which at the time I had to decide, like I had to be like, okay, like this stuff fulfills me in a way that is great and it's external and it's a lot of like status mm -hmm. where this fulfills me in a way where my heart is like really overflowing. And so I had to be like, okay, like it doesn't, it's not that the company didn't, wasn't miserable, right? Or was miserable. It was that I just wasn't as happy as I could have been right? spending my time with Grayson. And then ultimately my husband made the same decision. He was like, dude, this is kind of lame. Like I want to be with you guys all the time. So that is awesome that you did that because I would go crazy if I stayed home with EJ all day. Like I'm, I've never been that person. Yeah. Um, I love him to death. And yeah. to me, the two hours of commute time was worth the extra time with him. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna be really honest and say when I said I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, I for sure was not a mom. 
and had no clue what they did. And I thought it was going to be like real easy. Right. I was like, I'm going to watch Ellen every day at three. <laughs> I'm going to be on time. No need to record. I'm going to make dinner every night. Right. Like all these, th- I was like, gosh, I'm so, I'm going to have laundry done. I'm going to mop the floors every day. I truly was like, I know you believe that, that mm-hmm. path. Yep. And then the first day I was ever alone with Grayson, I was seriously like, this is hell. Yep. This is bad. This is lonely. I can't get anything done and I don't know why. One of my best friends is a stay-at-home mom and she is amazing. Like I, but I'm literally like, Alicia, I can't, I don't know. How you do it? You're kind of crazy yourself, maybe. (laughs) Like you're so amazing and patient. Oh, see. That's, that was not me. Me either. (laughs) I was like, I need to get out of this house. I need to do something. And I still feel that way. Like we have a really weird situation, which I won't bore everybody on with the podcast, but like, we're both at home all the time, right? right? Like we're both with Grayson. So there are times that that gets a little hard, but, um, but for sure I had this like mindset of what staying home mom was going to be. And then I was like, this actually sucks. Like how people do this. And my sister does it and she's done it for years. I mean, she has four kids Her oldest just turned 15. Like she's done it for a long time and she's a rock star at it. And I, I thought it was going to be so easy. Yep. Boy, was I wrong. We're really fortunate to have found a daycare preschool that we enjoy very much. So like it's, yeah. it's a partially outdoor preschool. So That's I nice. really think that they're able to interact with him in different ways, in ways that I don't have time to. Yeah. Or I know that sounds terrible. I can't believe I just said that out loud, but like no, I know what you mean. Structured activities. Sure. And like they, they do a curriculum every week and yeah. they do like, and I just, I'm working full time. So I don't have. And let me just tell you something. Even if you're not working full time, you still probably could not do that. Right. Because I'm telling you right now, I literally was like, I'm going to start, like, I'm going to research what Montessori schools do. And I'm going to mm-hmm. do all those things with Grayson. And let me tell you something. I don't do that. Like it just it's so exhausting just to do motherhood. And that's okay. I've learned that that's okay because my exhausting is my exhausting and no one else has to justify it for me. Like if I'm tired, I can be tired. And if I want to color with Grayson, I can color with him. And if I don't want to do that and I want him to play with his trucks all by himself, I can do that too. So I think that that's great. And I'm I'm glad that you said that because you're right. I think that there's something that they get in these programs, like in a preschool or in a daycare, they get interaction with other children right. and interaction with other adults. You know, they get to learn from other humans. Oh, and he's so good for that. Like we had like a parent teacher conference. They're like, EJ goes to bed or goes down for a nap with no struggle. I'm like, what? What kid are you talking about? <laughs> like, like, he's so, like he is kind. He's a very kind child. He's uh-huh. very sweet and loving and he loves me but like he'll throw a tantrum for me oh for sure and they're like no EJ's very sweet and listens to all directions the first time like, <laughs> whose kid is that you're like do you know which one's EJ that one that one <laughs> right, right there that right. one's EJ okay no, yeah. it's because that I really truly believe they act different for their parents yep. than they do for anyone else because Grayson will literally throw the biggest tantrum and my sister will be like he's never done that me before like and she used to watch him Mm -hmm. and I'm like okay well cool good to know that he 
only does that for me. Thanks. He hates me. <laughs> he hates me. He hates me. I like to think of it as he's the most comfortable with me. And so that makes he's sense. more comfortable to share all of his emotions, even That's if true. they're raw and ugly. And right. I'm like, bring him on, baby. And you know, and just they, not they in a know. store or a restaurant. Oh <laughs> At the house, bring it on. That's Anywhere else, worst. please don't. Uh, how old is Grayson? He'll be two in August 31st. It's like restaurants, mm. kind of my worst nightmare in the whole world right now. Yes. I went out to a restaurant with my other friend, Marissa, who has a two-year-old, and the two toddlers were just like like looking at animals on their, th- whatever, like laughing, da 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 And then all of a sudden it got real crazy. Like after, <laughs> after they had gotten their meals and we had helped them eat whatever, our meals were served next, mm. and it was like, we had a good three minutes before. Yeah. Like it was all hell broke loose. Yeah. And like we got to get out of here. So like, <laughs> can we get some boxes real quick? And so <clears throat> it's just crazy because even though here's a real thing, here's a real mom thing. Yes. Before right. you're a mom, you're like, oh, I would never be one of those parents mm. that had their kid look at the iPad at the table. Never. Yeah. And then you have a kid who's like a wild animal. And you're like, where's the iPad? And you're like, here's my phone. Play a game. <laughs> like, shh, please, shh. Yeah. Stop yelling. Stop looking over the booth at the other people who are trying to enjoy their dinner. Like, shh. Stop jumping. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, it's okay. Let's 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 practice your colors. And they're like, no. Ah. And you're like, oh, my God. And then you're like, why did I ever judge those parents? You know what? I'll tell you. My biggest pet peeve to this day is when I'm at a restaurant and there's a kid having a fit and someone else looks over their shoulder, I seriously want to go up to them and be like, let me just tell you who that's bothering more in this restaurant. Their mom, right. not you, right. not me, not the servers. It's actually bothering their mom who's paying just as much to be here as you. Right. And they're painfully embarrassed. Yes. And they shouldn't be, but they are because your looky little eyes are going over there. And it's like, and they're not enjoying their food. meal. Yeah. It's not like it's they're like, like, Ooh, this is so fun. I want my child to be loud and upset and bother everyone in here. Like, can you get a little bit more reasonable? The other day we were at a restaurant Edmonds with my sister and I was having a beer and we were having lunch. It was sunny and we were watching ferry boats come in and Grayson was not in a high chair because He's a pretty defiant little kid. Right, they're independent doesn't now, Doesn't want to be in a high chair, yeah. right? And he's walking along this, like, bench, looking at all the ferry boats, and he bends down to pick up something and just smashes his, like, chin oh, no. and lip and just blood everywhere. And we had to take him to the doctor, so we had to, like, pack up our food. We had just ordered. I went back to the table and was almost like, I should chug that beer. Like, if anybody <laughs> in here deserves a drink, it's me, but thanks. And everybody's staring at me, and somebody was like, oh, we should have put him in the high chair. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know what? You should have done that. And then you would have been looking at me because he was crying in the high chair rather than now he's bleeding all over me, which again is not any, not infecting anybody. Just look at your plate and you'll be just fine. But it's just funny. Like parenting brings on all of that, right? It brings on the like, man, I should have never said that before I had kids. And then it also brings on this like compassion. Like if I see a mom at a thing. There's a difference between moms with a sense of community and mm-hmm. moms who are judgy. Yes. There's, there are but two kinds of But I have a theory about moms that are judgy. I think moms that are judgy are like that because they don't have that community. community. 
And even if they think that they do, they don't because they're not in that place where they can be real and raw and be like, man, I actually wanted to throw my child through a window today, but I didn't. And like, I just need someone to like, tell me I'm okay. Right. Like they don't have that. And that's unfortunate. Like, that's what I really think. Cause I have a lot of people in my life I can think of that have a ton of opinions about mothering or right or wrong or what you should do and how you should talk and all this stuff. And every time I'm around them, I really actually just feel more bad for them than anything else. Cause I think that they're experiencing motherhood too, just like I am, but alone, but alone. Right. So I just, I really do feel bad for them because that's so, that's just not the way to do it. You should not be alone in that journey. Right. And there's probably something more to it too. I met this mom who had had a miscarriage before she had her baby. So she had a rainbow baby and she was um, so great and vulnerable and like crying. Just had met her across the table and we were talking and she was saying that she makes everybody wash their hands because she can't lose her baby. And I thought in my mind, like, man, every time I've been around someone who's like a germaphobe, one, I'm just not a germaphobe. I'm like the complete opposite. I'm like, give me all the germs because I don't want to get sick. And I always forget to wash my hands. Like I'm all of that. And so when she was saying that to me, she said, you know, I make everybody wash my hands so that my baby doesn't die. I thought, oh my gosh, here I am like labeling people as germaphobes and they might actually be afraid of losing their child because they've lost a child. And I've never been. You just through don't that. know their story. You just don't know. So That's why I try. I literally have tried to change the way that I view the world now. Like, I don't. You know, society is like, ha ha ha. That person looks a certain way, or like, mm. like I just don't. I can't do that anymore. Like yeah. I can't, and I can't be around people who do it. Right. You know, like you don't know. Like, they're they may be like running around and looking silly when they're running around the block or whatever, you know, when people like do their arms up in the air, but like, guess what? You're sitting on your butt and they're (laughs) actually walking around, like getting some exercise. Right. Like you don't know, you don't know their story. They could be recovering from some X, Y, Z, or guess what? It's none of your business. Yeah. And like, why are you judging people? Is it really hard? Is it really hard to watch them? Just keep driving. Come on. Yeah. I really think that since I've been a mom, it has totally changed me in all the good ways, even though sometimes those ways are really hard <laughs> to let's accept. Talk, let's talk about the ways that it changes you that you're like, what the heck? Like, I can't watch Criminal Minds anymore. <laughs> yes, I cannot watch any. Well, nope. I guess I wasn't ever really a scary. I couldn't watch anything like scary, but Law I for sure can't watch Law and Order. No. That used to be my show. SVU. My show. My show. SVU. And I love Olivia Benson. to the no. Can't even nope. watch it. I, it comes on like just the end of it where it goes dun dun. Nope. And, and I change I, the channel. I'm like, no, change it. Uh-huh. I don't want to hear what's happening. Oh yeah, same. Weird. I never real really. Soft. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It does. It just changes you all around. And it's so great though because I feel like I've, in motherhood, had a lot. I've have a lot more compassion for people, like even humans that are of a right mind, and they say things, and I'm kind of like really did that just come out of you really that's what you're gonna go with I think in my mind like that was somebody's baby like there was a point when someone was pregnant and they had a gender reveal party and then they had this beautiful boy or girl and then they birthed them and then they raised them and then 
I don't know what happened, but <laughs> there, there was a mom who worked really hard to bring that baby into the world. And so I try really hard to be like, okay, that's somebody's baby. So right. don't, don't think mean thoughts. Just move along. I feel like my capacity for forgiveness is a lot more than it ever was. Mm. Like, you know, you can wrong me and I'm not going to be like, I hate you, go die. You know, I'm like, okay. Like, maybe we're just not, I'm really happy to be like, maybe we're just not going to collaborate right now and we can like go our separate ways and agree to disagree and I'm just, I'm all about like peace. And I think it's because motherhood in my theory is, is that it gives you a perspective of like what's worth it and what's not. Mm -hmm. Because I would say that there have been things that have happened to me like with work and everything and, you know, having Grayson and quitting and all that, where there was definitely some like struggle where I had to like find a new identity. But then as like time goes on, you're kind of like, why did I even struggle with that? Like that, like or this why is do you care what cooler. people think? Yes. Well, that's also like something I still work on. <laughs> I think that's like a daily thing. Like even I listen to sometimes this podcast and I'm like, ooh, did I say that? Ugh. I don't, I didn't mean to say that. Or why do I keep saying that same word over and over and over again? So I think we do that. Like I care all the time. I'm like, who really cares? But maybe I do really care. It's like a daily work thing. All right. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us for this long. I know we went a little over. No, that's okay. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Well, I have one last question for you. Okay. So given everything that you have gone through, um, you're obviously being a stepmom, having EJ, going through all of that trauma, and then coming out of it on the other side, now starting a new business. Like, What's your one piece of advice for moms that you would want them to take away from, from your story? My one piece of advice would be to never compare yourselves to other moms mm. because we all have different emotions and we all process things differently. And you can't compare your story to anybody else's or benchmark yourself because your feelings are just as valid as anybody else's feelings. Mm -hmm. And it, I've had people who say, oh, I had a traumatic birth, but it was nowhere near as traumatic as yours. And I just tell them, stop. Mm. That's not true. Yeah. You, you went through trauma mm -hmm. and you process it differently than I do. And so it doesn't matter what the experience was. It was traumatic for you. Yeah. And, you know, the same thing can go about celebrating people's wins. Like you celebrate something small. Your kid ate what you served for dinner today. That's a big accomplishment. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter that this other mom did like a, made a, like Chrissy Teigen made a menu for her kid. And like, <gasps> it's like a picture menu and she can like choose what she wants. Wow. Like that's awesome too. But guess what? It's all awesome. Yeah. We're all winning together. We're yeah. all like hurting together. We're all feeling together. Like it's, don't compare yourself because yeah. you, you matter just as much as anybody else. That is so good. They say that comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. And I 100% agree with that. And that's a hard thing to do. Like, I always tell myself not to compare myself to other, just people in general. Um, I think that that's something you have to work on every minute, every time it, like, comes into your mind. And I do think you said something else that's really great is that we have to celebrate moms. Like, even if a mom is doing something that you wish 
you did or could have done or should do or whatever your feeling is to that, that is her win. And like, we have to lift each other up because we know how hard this journey is. Like we know what it's like to move to solids or what it's like to move to potty training or to switch to a big boy bed or to go to preschool or to go to high school, like whatever your journey is, like we have to celebrate those moms because they did accomplish something. And just because you maybe didn't accomplish it the same way or at the same time doesn't mean we should take away from that. Empowered women, empower women. Yes. So good. What a great way to leave knowing we're with someone who's really dedicated to doing that. Thank you. I'm making it my life's mission. (laughs) I love it. Well, Emily, thank you again for all your time. And I'm so grateful that we got to hear your story. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thank you for listening. I hope you loved it. Please subscribe to this podcast so you can get the latest episodes and tell us what you think about it in the reviews. And mamas, I love you.